Hi, I'm Tracy Malone, and this is Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere. On today's episode, you will hear from Sandy Robertson of SEQ, that's for Southeast Queensland, where she's located, Brumby Association. Sandy has always had a place in her heart to rescue horses and find them a loving home. She hasn't ever seen a problem horse, just misunderstood horses who need some time and kindness. Sandy has worked for many years in land conservation, so knows a lot about how to take care of the land and is someone who spent her life giving to others. When she was asked to take over the SEQ Brumby Association, she jumped at the chance to do her part and for the last few years has been bringing in, retraining and rehoming Australian Brumbies for life in a domestic home. There is a lot in the news at the moment in Australia about the Kosciuszko Brumbies. The Brumby Bill has just been passed and will serve to protect the Brumbies and acknowledges the part they play in the history of Australia. Their numbers will be managed and the aim is to strike a balance between conservation of the Brumbies and the land where they are grazing. If the populations become too big, they will be trapped in the most humane way possible and given to associations like SEQ Brumby and retrained for a domestic life. After hearing Sandy's story about the incredible nature of our iconic Australian Brumbies, my hope is that we can all open our eyes and our hearts to these incredible horses and have a think when it's time for us to purchase our next horse. I certainly have an eye on one as my next horse. With four horses currently, I'll have to wait a bit before taking the plunge. When the time comes, however, it will be an easy choice to make. Sandy is an incredible human and her passion and tireless work with these gentle guys, all voluntary and from her own pocket, shines through. The Brumbies are as lucky to have Sandy as she is to be a part of their story. Here is Sandy. Sandy, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Hi, Tracy. Can you first of all, Sandy, tell me a little bit about what it is that you do? Uh, I I do Brumby rescue and rehoming. So we have a trapper who traps the Brumbies that need to be taken out of the forest and he brings them here and we gentle them and train them and get them ready to go to new domestic homes. And where do your Brumbies come from? Uh, We get Brumbies from a number of different places, mainly here in Queensland from the Talara State Forest, which is up between Gympie and Maryborough along sort of the Tincan Bay Road, that sort of area. Um, some from Beerburrum State Forest, and uh, but we also in the last couple of years we've been getting them from Kosciuszko as well. Are you an association for Brumbies? Yes, it's the Southeast Queensland Brumby Association. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to diving into the Brumbies a little bit later. But first of all, I would like to hear a lot more about the amazing woman who's heading up this association. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your life with horses, Sandy? Have you always had horses? No, no. I guess every little girl wants a horse. I've always wanted a horse. Um, But I didn't get my first horse until I was 24. Um, I was teaching at TAFE and I had a student who had a horse who um, had accidentally thrown her over his head into a power pole and she lost her confidence on him and was going to sell him to a riding school for $150. And I said, oh, no, don't do that. I'll give you 250 for him. So when I looked at this horse, he was a lovely Palomino paint. Um, we took the float in, tried to load him on, couldn't get him on. And so they went and got a neighbour who came up and 
said, oh, are you sure you want to sell this horse? He's worth a lot of money. And she said, no, no, he's got to go, he's got to go. So we eventually got him on the float and brought him home and um, uh, put him in the paddock here and I couldn't catch him, I couldn't touch him. My neighbours told me to shoot him. I'd never do anything with him. I had no clue what I was doing. So eventually I... um popped him on the truck, got him back into Toowoomba on adjustment and met a lovely lady there who taught me some natural horsemanship. And I guess that was my introduction to dealing with horses. So always had a fairly quiet, gentle way with them. And um, that boy now, he's 29 years old now, still going strong out in the paddock, starting to show his age though. Um, but he's just delightful. I could, if he was a little bit fitter and stronger, I could easily just go and jump on him now and ride him around in a halter. He's his lovely boy. Wow. I'm, it never ceases to amaze me how unhelpful people are when you've got a troubled horse. <laughs> the amount of people yes. who say, shoot it, get rid of it, send it to the yep. doggers. It really never ceases to amaze me. And that's why it's so great speaking to people like you and the rest of us who just go, it's a troubled horse. It's just a troubled horse, you know, and mm. I can help it and everything's going to be okay, you know. Thank yep. God for yep. that. Yeah. Um, so, he, he always, apparently he was trained as a polo cross horse and supposedly they pulled his ears when he put his feet wrong. So he was always very head shy. I always had difficulty touching him up around the ears. and I, So I never put a bridle on him. Everything was ever done in a halter. Um, I can touch him up there now. He'll come down and drop his head into my chest and have a good scratch around the ears now. But um, it took a long time, a lot of patience, but we got there in the end. How long did it take? from the day he arrived to you before the day you could scratch his ears? Oh, God. <laughs> I've had his, he was five when I got him. He's 29 now. So <laughs> it's been 20 Did it take, it did take years, about so. 20 years. Wow, 24 years to be able to scratch his ears. Well, no, that would have happened a few years back. But, um, yeah, it took a long time. Yeah, I've got a standee off the track and he's very, very head shy. He's obviously been hit around the face a lot. And I've had him for three years now and my partner who's not a horse person gets frustrated that he can't pat him on the face. And I said, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I was out there worming him this morning. And yeah. um, so he was outside of his comfort zone because everything's a bit scary for this guy. So everything takes a long time and he yeah. didn't have a halter on or anything. And I just put my hand up and I scratched his face and right up, I put my hand right up the front of his face and he dropped his head into it. And I was like, there it is. There's the first moment. moment. <laughs> it's so but satisfying. It, yeah, but that's that's three years last December it was, you know. So yeah. it takes a long time for a horse to finally trust. And I could walk out there now and I may not be able to do that again. So it's, oh, he's it's, got to be ready for it. Yeah, yeah, and it's the right place, the right time, the right person. It's just got to happen like that. So it's so great that you're able to show how long as well it takes to do some things and don't get frustrated. It, it will happen in good time. Yeah. Yeah. Now my that other question was, yeah, yes, exactly. Your, did you have any experience with horses when this girl said to you that she wants to get rid of her horse? No, no, none whatsoever. What was it I, inside I, of you that decided you were going to take this horse? I had always wanted a horse. <laughs> I, had just, a, I had the property, I had the space for him. And you just and decided just this is the out. time. Something inside you yep. said this is the moment. Yep, that's right. Wow. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Palomino. Who can resist a Palomino? What happened after that? So how did that start you in horses? It's a long way from taking one horse, um, but obviously the rescuing started 
straight up for you in life? How, how no, did... no, no. So I had Danny. Um, I've had him 24 years now. I had a couple of other horses. I had a quarter horse mare and uh, another little old pony mare that my kids were riding. Um, for many years, just like I didn't like having one horse on their own. I like they like I like to have company for them. So I've had mm. a couple of other horses over the years, and it's really only the the rescuing stuff has only been since um, what year is it now? 2015. Um, when I, I worked with Dave, Dr. Dave Berman, who was doing the trapping for the Southeast Queensland Brumby Association. He was contracted by Forestry to do the trapping. Um, and then Annie Wilson and Terry Wilson, who was running the association, moved down to Victoria. And Dave got on to me. He knew I liked the horses and he knew I wanted a Brumby. So he got on to me and said, do you want to help take over the association with us so they don't close down and fold? And I said, yeah, righto. So... It only started for me three years ago. Wow. And what was your background before that? So you'd always been interested in horses and you'd had three or three or four. What was it that you did to pay the bills before that? Um, I've spent 25 years in natural resource management. So working with landholders, farmers, doing a lot of training, land care type work, pest management, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. Wonderful. And so that's what got you out there working with the guy who was trapping the horses. Yes. Yeah, so Dave, Dr. Dave Berman has worked with, in pest management for many, many years. He did his um, thesis on Brumbies in the Northern Territory. So Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and what he found? Pest management, everyone, it's okay to say that a couple of them are pests. <laughs> so, so there yeah, are people right. from a land care management who see horses as pests and there are people like us who see horses as something, you know, a lot more deeply personal than that. So can you explain yep. a little bit more about what it is that he found? Because it would be really good to hear it from a scientist's point of view. Uh, I couldn't really quote any of what Dave sort of found in his, his doctorate, but um, he, Dave is also an avid horse lover. He, he's a jumper. His first jumping horse was a Brumby. Um, and he has trained, caught, trapped and trained and rehomed many, many Brumbies over the years. So he, he is also a horse lover, but he works in pest management. So he's a realist and he is a scientist. And what is the problem with keeping Brumbies in the wild? I just mentioned this in a post on the snowy Brumby stuff recently. I think it's got to be assessed on a case-by-case basis. It's, in my personal opinion, the Kosciuszko Brumbies have been there for nearly 200 years. The ecology in the mountains has changed and adapted over the years with cattle grazing and horse grazing in there for such a long time. Just over 40 years ago, or however long it was ago, the park was declared a park. Now, the values they found to declare the park park existed while the cattle and the Brumbies were well entrenched in the area. So I don't agree with wiping out the Brumbies and taking them out of the Kosciuszko National Park. They're a cultural icon. They've been there for a couple hundred years. They deserve to stay there. And as I said before, the ecology has changed there. If they removed all the horses, as they already have done the cattle, the wildfire risk um, up there with the the extensive grass growth would wipe out everything that national parks are trying to protect. And if you actually go and visit the Brumbies up there, you'll see they tend to prefer to graze on the pasture lands, under the power lines, where there's been disturbance, where there's introduced grasses and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's probably impact in some areas and the population should be managed and they should be kept out of places where they haven't traditionally grazed, but leave them in their ancestral lands. In Queensland, like in the Talara State Forest, it's a pine forest. 
So the brumbies actually serve quite a, a useful ecological function there in keeping down the, the grass and stopping the risk of wildfires and risking the forestry. Somewhere like the central Australia, up in the territory, some of those areas, the brumbies are in such high numbers, they put at risk a lot of wildlife. They even put at risk other grazing stock. They can travel quite large distances. So once they wipe out all the food and water resources in an area, they can travel 40, 60, 100 kilometres to find other resources, whereas some of your smaller animals, some of your native animals, can't travel those distances. And so they have a huge impact on those populations there. So there are areas in Australia where the Brumbies do need to be controlled, sometimes severely, unfortunately, it's sad, but there's other areas where, why shouldn't they be there? There's nothing wrong with them being there. They're performing a useful function. Mm. And stepping back one moment to back to the Kosciuszko, you said the land had adapted in some way. How had that adapted and changed over the years having them there? Is it, it certain plants stopped growing, other plants started growing? Yeah, it's, a, it's the extensive pastures. You get up into the high country and the plains there, Long Plain and Kyandra, it's all just open pastures. It's thick, dense grass, scattered forests on the rises and, the, and the, the, the tops of the mountains, but the plains are just solid grassland. And and it's been that way for many, many years. You know, the, the, the original settlers up there, obviously they would have cleared some of the land, but the land has adapted and, and changed and adapted to the, the grazing stock being up there. And so it allows everyone to live in harmony now? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, they, they talk about some of the, the species that are at threat. There's National Parks documentation that shows that horses don't actually impact on some of those threatened species because they don't exist in the areas that the horses are in and the horses aren't in the areas that they, they are in. So, mm. And why do the people who preside over Kosciuszko want the horses gone? It's probably a fairly complex matter. Um, I dare say there's some people up there who just don't like horses. Um, there's some people who, uh, to them, it's just that their horses are a pest. They're an introduced animal and they have no place in Australia. Um, Sounds a bit like white man though, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you look at look at the actual impacts that are happening in the mountain. The impacts from deer and pigs are severe, wild dogs are severe. The impacts from putting in dams and hydroelectricity um, infrastructure, quite severe. The impacts from putting in ski resorts and tracks and motor, uh, not motorbike, um, push bike tracks, cross-country tracks for the push bikes, all of that is a lot more severe than what the impacts of the horses are having. Mm, that's a really important thing to consider, isn't it? Yeah, the actual siting of some of the resorts are impacting more on those threatened species because the resorts are located in the areas where these threatened species exist, whereas mm. the horses are down on the plains. Fantastic. Good. It's good to have a, a broad spectrum view over it all and think about all of those things instead of blaming horses. Mm. Horses are, are very visual that you see them when you go up there. Admittedly, when we went up there, they were few and far between. We, we struggled to see some. But they're, they're quite visual. They're obvious. They're easy to trap. They're easy to get rid of. So they're an easy target. So they're mm. an easy scapegoat to blame for the problems, whereas deer and pigs cause a lot more damage, but they're very secretive. You don't see them. They're nowhere near as visual and available to see as what the horses are. So mm. it's easy to blame the horses. 
Yeah. What was it like the first time you ever saw a wild brumby? Can you tell me a bit about that? Well, that would have been just two years ago in 2016 when we went up to Kosciuszko. We, um, a colleague of mine, Lisa Gillam, and I travelled down to Sydney to uh, save the Brumby Rally in Sydney. And then we went on down to um, Tumut to have a meeting with national parks there and some of the other Brumby groups. And then we took a trip up to the High Plains and had a look for some Brumbies up there. And it was awesome. They're just beautiful, beautiful animals. And the grass, like it was, it was winter, there was snow on the ground, but there was grass as far as I, I could see, thick, lush, heavy grass. You wouldn't imagine there were terribly many grazing animals there. We, we actually had to drive kilometres and kilometres to see mobs. We probably saw, I think, three or four mobs in the whole day of driving. What condition were those brumbies in when you first saw them? Oh, fat, beautiful. I think I sent you a couple of photos. There was a lovely roan and a, a, a palomino-y looking mare there. They, they're fat, fat and healthy. Mm, and I'll have those up on my blog, so you'll definitely be able to go to my website, onto the blog, under Sandy's mm. name, and you'll be able to see all of the beautiful photos she sent me of these horses. And I imagine that they would have to be in good condition to survive in the wild. Can you tell me a bit about the breed and how sound it is? Yeah, look, the, the Brumbies, particularly the Gosiosco Brumbies, they are solid um, healthy horses. They, they've got the most awesome temperament. They're beautiful, beautiful horses. They, I guess the, the environment that they live in is quite harsh and, and that's to their benefit. Um, I guess over the years, it's only a matter of only the fittest survive. So it's, it's a process of natural selection and the breed have just developed into good, healthy horses. They've got amazing hooves and solid legs and they just <laughs> they're just really great horses i i'm yeah. look, i'm not a horse expert so this is a layperson's um judgment and value of a horse <laughs> mm, i heard someone speaking once and they were saying that even the size that they end up growing to over the years because they've been there for so long is adapted to their environment sure it's yeah the cozies are the definitely smaller Mm. They range between about 13 and a half to 14 and a half hands. You can get the occasional ones out to 15, um, but they are usually a bit smaller and they're stocky and they've got solid legs and they're so sure-footed and they're just they're confident and really, really good. And they make awesome kids' ponies because they've got such a good temperament. Um, I sent a couple of our 2016 rescues down to a lady in Tamworth who does back to basics horsemanship and she's trained them to be kids ponies and she's had five-year-olds riding them they're just delightful horses. Do you know the history of the horses as to how they got there in the first place? Uh, this is the Kosciuszko's? Yes. Yeah uh, well <laughs> they're, they're a mixture of horses there's a the, the Timor pony there's um a lot of the, the early stock horses, the whalers, they're, they're a mixture of breeds. And, and it's my understanding that many years ago, you know, a lot of the, the stockmen around there would occasionally shoot out a stallion, put another stallion in to mix up the genetics a bit. So, yeah, they're, they're a whole mixture of, of breeds in there. There's some heavy horse in there. There's thoroughbred Arab stock horse, the bull horse, I think it is, a Timor pony, a whole mixture of things in there. And that, of course, over the years, natural selection has um, ended up with what they are today. 
and they're so similar all the brumbies as well so it seems like you know the horses all the wild horses on the planet are trying to tell us the same thing this is the kind of size we should be and this is how we should be to actually have a really solid and and great performing horse yeah yep yep yeah we keep trying to breeding horses to to be the way we want them to be and it it turns out that it brings a lot more issues than it does well oh, i've seen some awful posts online about the, the various breeding of horses and breeding for, for, for traits like post legs and all these horrible things and i just don't understand it yeah and how about the talara um, brumbies are they from are they the same mix of stock yeah, so the Talara, I don't really know the history of the Talaras, um, but there's about 2,000 of them, a bit over 2,000 of them in the forest up there. So, again, over the years, I guess a bit of natural selection would have played its course there. They also vary in size, um, but they tend to average around the 14, 14 two hands, a couple of big ones occasionally. Um, but they are, again, quite solid, quite healthy, very healthy horses. Um, your beer burrams, which is nearby but not, not, not right next to there, um, tend to be a little bit smaller. Um, there's a lot of probably just people's escaped ponies getting into the forest there. Um, and it's such a small area. I think there's only a population of about 100 in the beer burram forest. So the, the, the breeding there is, um, has not been great. I think there's a bit of inbred characteristics there. Um, they're smaller, they're about 12 to 13 hands. And um, yeah, probably the beer barn forest probably isn't the best place for Brumbies to be. Mm. That being said, I've got three at home here, uh, well, four, sorry, um, and Sweet Chili Philly, who is out of a beer barn there. She's actually bigger than all of the rest of them. So she's nearly as big as some of the Talaras and a bit solid and stocky, you know. After you did your tour out there and saw all the Brumbies in the Kosciuszko, what happened with you after that? What was your next step? So we took our first load of Kosciuszkos that year, a couple of months after the trip down there. Um, basically told National Parks that do, when they do their cull, if they have some horses that needed homes, we would take a truckload up to Queensland and gentle and train and rehome them because um, we just couldn't stand the thought of such beautiful horses going to the dogger and they said yes yep yep um so they they have an arrangement with um a number of associations brumby rehoming groups and um when they get horses into their depot down there they give the brumby groups a call and um, they send a truck down to pick them up how many brumby associations are there in australia tell you off the top of my head but um a few that i know of off the top of my head are the vic brumby association um they're very active been very active for many many years at rehoming the high country brumbies there's hoofs 2010 incorporated there's the buckland park brumbies and there's the guy Fawkes brumby association i'm not sure there's a couple more down there in sort of southern new south wales and victoria i think there might be one in south australia as well so there's quite a few around the place and i think that sort of shows the value of brumbies and that there are people out there that do see these horses as wonderful worthwhile horses mm, that's fantastic and how about up here in queensland uh no we're the only brumby rescue group up here in queensland that i'm aware of yeah that, that mm. we're the only one that i know of and so you got your truckload of Brumbies. How many Brumbies were on that first truck? 
Um, the 2016 truck, we had 12 Brumbies and, oh, I'm just trying to remember who's left out of them. Um, I think they all got rehomed. What was that like when they first came home off the truck? Can you tell me a bit about how that process went for you? Yeah, so it's quite a long trip for them. So when they arrived, we brought them up to Stanthorpe. We have them in the um, rodeo yards down in Stanthorpe. We filled the trough up with water and we overflowed the water so it was running down along the ground like a little creek because these horses wouldn't be used to necessarily drinking out of troughs. They got off the truck, came up the, the yards and started drinking the water off the ground and then eventually learned to drink out of the trough let them settle in for a day or two and just gave them hay, some nice grassy hay, and then started gentling them. We had quite a few babies in that first year and the babies uh, come around pretty quickly. They're, they're lovely little things to train, a um, couple of little older ones. You yeah. had them and you had 12 horses come off the truck. How is it that you go about gentling a Brumby? What's important to understand about Brumbies when you first go to gentle them, in your opinion? Uh, I guess for me, um, every horse is different and I have been to quite a number of different trainers and I've learnt a number of different approaches and I'll have a look at the horse and see how it responds and how it reacts to me and I'll use the approach that best suits it. You know, if a horse just wants to bolt away from you, give it space to move around until it, it, it calms down and burns off that, that um, adrenaline rush it's getting. Others are quite easy to approach just quietly, gently when they're ready. Yeah, I, I guess I just use whatever approach works for the horse and when it's ready. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It's so great to hear that even though they are wild horses that have been together a long time and, and have a social network and all of those things, they're still treated as individuals when it comes to training time. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah, yeah. What's the shortest and, and longest amount of time it's taken to to gentle and retrain or, or train a Brumby to get ready for a domestic life? Yeah, again, that varies. It could be easily could be a couple of days and it could easily be weeks. Um, I have one fellow here, Trooper, um, who was a 2017 rescue. He... I was the only one who would go in the pen and handle him and he's still not ready. He, he's not ready to go to a domestic home. He, he may never be. And if he's not, he'll just spend his life here on, on my sanctuary. One would hope he would but because he, he's a beautiful horse, but he has a very strong flight instinct. He's still very um, – he, he, the last time he had a halter and a rope on was in Stanthorpe when he was gelded. I haven't had one on him since. He's been been here. I've had him in the yards. I've groomed him all over, brushed his mane and tail out, got all the prickles out. I do stuff with him, but I just don't bother trying to put a rope on him. He he won't have a bar of it, and I don't blame him. <laughs> Last time he had one on, he lost the family jewels. Yes, 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 yes. You can't can't blame him for that at all, can you? <laughs> how has the rehoming process gone for the Brumbies? Really good. Like. Um, most of them went last year, uh, the 2016 year. I had, I think I brought home to the sanctuary um, Blaze and Dreamer who weren't rehomed. And then they've since gone down to Tamworth and have uh, are getting trained, or Blaze has been rehomed and Dreamer's currently getting saddle trained at the moment. And this year I brought home Trooper and River and Neil Diamond who weren't rehomed. 
And um, Neil Diamond, actually, he came, he was quite sick. He had a snotty nose and a cough and and was very poor weight-wise and had some previous mouth trauma. So it's been a long road of recovery for him. He's finally starting to look pretty good. His backbone's disappeared and he's starting to get a little bit of a round bottom. So he's he's looking a lot better. So he and River will probably be the next to be prepped to go to new homes. Yeah, and then there's Trooper. So... Is, is a case all on his own. <laughs> and what type of a person, well, what type of a horse is a Brumby once you rehome? What different disciplines have they gone into? Well, we've uh, on our website you'll see a little video of a Brumby there called Potro who within weeks of being trapped and rehomed was jumping at the Laidley Show and the Toowoomba Show. Uh, they, they make pretty good endurance horses because they're so sure-footed and fit. They make great trail riding horses. There's a few, uh, quite a few shows around the place that are putting on Brumby classes so they can go into lead classes at shows. Um, but other than that, they just make really, really great companions. I have, I have a boy here, Chip, who was one of my 2016 Snowy Brumbies. Absolutely adore him. He's only a little guy. He's my mate, you know, and, and I don't care if I never ride him. He's just going to live here with me forever and be my mate. And, you know, he's just gorgeous. He's my friend. <laughs> Mm, happy to be in your company. Yeah, yeah. You go out. They they all just came in for a drink this morning, and you go. Everyone beelined for the water, and Chip beelined for me. They just mm. they like to be with you. Beautiful. And how do you choose which horse goes with which human? How do how does that process happen for you? With the with the Talaras that I have here, I don't advertise them. I don't try to sell them. I think if somebody wants a Brumby, they will seek it out. And my way of rehoming them is encouraging that person to come here, spend some time with the Brumby, get to know them, um, see who they connect with and, and choose which Brumby they want that way. Because it, it is important to have that connection. I guess with like with Chip, Chip, when he came in on the track, he was the ugliest horse in the mob. He was missing skin everywhere. He looked He looked like crap. He was biting all the other horses on the knees. He was just, he wasn't a very pleasant horse at all. But I got in and worked with him and in 10 minutes I was patting him all over with no rope or halter on and I just thought to myself, oh my God, I've got to take this horse home. We just, we just made a connection and, uh, and that's what I like to see. I think people need to connect with the horse and then, then I'm happy for them to go there. Um, happy for them to go to homes where people are reasonably competent horse owners so that they, they've able to handle unhandle horses and they need to have really good uh, good set of yards good secure paddocks so that the horses can be kept safe mm, i imagine they've learned how to um, wrangle with a bit of fencing out there in the wild yeah they're not too bad here i've got mostly electric fencing um which quite often doesn't work because something's gone through it and busted it but uh they're all reasonably reasonably respectful of the fencing you get one or two like um Tucker, who's gone through a couple of fences occasionally, but most of them are pretty good. And with the Brumbies, are they the type of horse? I know with the Spanish Mustang horses, they're not the type of horse because they've still got that wild blood in their DNA. They're not the type of horse that you can buy and then you've, you've finished with them after a few years and sell them on. Is that similar to Brumbies? Do they really attach to a person? Or can you... They do. you know, hmm. 
They do, they do. They form very strong bonds. And so for us, for rehoming the Brumbies, it's our preference that they go to their forever home. Um, so we do get the purchasers to sign an agreement that they will never put them through the sales and that they're going to their forever home because they, they do. They form a, a strong bond and attachment. And, and yes, you know, occasionally they can be a bit difficult. And, and that's why we want to make sure that they do go to a competent forever home because we don't want them to go somewhere where someone decides, no, nah, I can't handle this horse or I don't want it anymore sell it to someone else and then that someone else can't handle it and they sell it to someone else and then it ends up at the sales anyway. Mm, so, And that's the last thing we want to see and that's the last thing that the Brumbies deserve. Yeah, absolutely. And is it because they're, they're not domesticated? They've still got that little bit of wild in them. So it's about forming a partnership with them and making their life good because their life was pretty good beforehand. So you'd want to have a very good reason um, and a very equal partnership to want to have a Brumby stay within the confines of our our fences. Definitely, definitely. Um, and and some of them more so than others. Like some of them retain that high instinct attitude more so than others. Others adapt to it really, really well and just love being with people. Mm. So again, it's it, it's about the individual horse and 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 giving them what they need. Yeah, so some of the problems um, that people have had with them. Can you explain a couple of the problems that people have had once they've got a Brumby home? I can't report on any problems that people have had, to be quite honest. That's great. Um, I, I so you just I've need to be a it. good horse person because they're smart. They are. They are very smart. Um, but they learn very quickly too. And and it, it has actually um, been shown recently too that the neural pathways of a domestic horse are quite simple uh, and compared to the neural pathways of a Brumby, they're just like this network of, of branches and links and what have you because they have spent time making decisions, having to survive, having to run through complex terrains and do all those sorts of things. So they've developed these, these um, quite complex neural pathways and it makes it easier for them to, to learn things. Wow. And that makes a lot of sense because our domesticated horses the biggest problem they've got is where's my human and why haven't they fed me yet yeah that's right <laughs> and, and oh my god do I have to be ridden today oh my god I get to be ridden today you know that's kind of the biggest thing yep. that's going through their head but Brumbies have have actually lived a life and they know who they are and they're very very solid in their um their sense of self so you'd best be ready to um to deal with that kind of intelligence really isn't it yep for sure yeah how many brumbies have you had through your care in the years that you've been doing it so you've been doing it for three years two years yeah so so um while i was still working in natural resource management i was working with dave um and i knew he was doing the brumby stuff and he knew i wanted a brumby so i got um a couple of brumbies off him cobby and zorro who are still living up in my top paddock and then he had some more Brumbies in. He said, do you want to come and have a look and pick one? So I went and had a look and I picked a, a lovely mare called Bonnie, who 11 months later had a foal. Wow. <laughs> and I uh, said to Dave, um, she must have conceived when you had them at home in the yards or just before you caught them. And he said, he laughed and he said, actually, I've got footage of him being conceived out in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so she had a, a lovely little foal called Motobaci, which means lots of kisses in Italian. Mm. As, he, as a foal, he would come up and have lots of cuddles and scratches. It was just beautiful. Um, and I never planned on selling him, but I had a, a lovely family who came to look at Blaze, a, a cozy brumby, but they decided, no, he was too small. And uh, they looked at Barchi and said, oh, what about him? And I said, oh, he's my horse. Mm. But they just adored him and they kept asking him, asking about him. So I relented and sold him. He was only two years old and he was already 14, two hands high. So, mm. and still quite a bit of growing to do. So he was probably going to go out to about 15, 15, two. And he's, he's with them now, just north of Brisbane, getting lots of love and attention and training and what have you. How many brumbers um, have you had that, through your association that you've rehomed since you started? Do you know the numbers? Yeah, um, so uh, the Talaras, we've rehomed, it's probably easier for me to go through names than numbers. <laughs> so Whiskey has gone to a new home. Um, Sultan is getting a float load trained at the moment as we speak so that he can go to a new home. That's, and Barchi has gone to a new home. And Toby, who was a Cozy Brumby, has gone to a new home. Blaze, Dreamer and Taffy have gone down to Tamworth and being rehomed um, and then of course the, the the rest of the cozies and the of two two years worth of cozies we've got 15 this seven during 2017 we brought 15 up um, and they've all been rehomed except for River Trooper and Neil Diamond and Talara's back to Talara's with Pixie looks like he's going to a new home which pretty much only leaves Trixie and Tucker and then I've got three new ones in the yards at the moment, a beautiful stallion who I think we're going to call Mackenzie or Cobar Mackenzie and a mare who is pregnant and I have someone who already has dibs on the foal when it comes out. So it's already been rehomed before it's even born. And a little dark filly in the yards is going to be looking for a home very soon too. She's probably wow. only a yearling. If anyone's looking for a nice young horse to start with, she's a lovely little filly, quite a stock horse looking type horse. So it sounds like even though you do no advertising, you're not short on people who are interested in Brumbies, which is great. Yeah, I've had I've had quite a lot of interest. It can be a bit frustrating occasionally because um, I've had people interested and say they're interested and organised to come and visit and then not show up. So that does get a little bit frustrating at times. Um, mm. But you know, the ones who matter are the ones who've come. So. Sultan going to an absolutely lovely family down on the north, north coast of New South Wales. Paul, he came up and visited the horses. He went out in the paddock, spent some time with them. Didn't Couldn't decide between Tucker and Sultan, so they were booked in to go to a clinic with Emma Bryant at Equality Equine Services. So I said, look, well, why don't you go to the clinic and work with the two of them and then decide from there. And so Paul went to the clinic with the horses and now Sultan's getting ready to go home with him. And I'm really, really pleased because he and Sultan just formed an amazing connection. I was at that clinic and I remember that connection now. And he worked hard at that too. And I remember the moment on the second day where it clicked because you could see that um, Sultan couldn't quite understand what he, he was trying to say, but Paul was such a gentle, you know, lovely human. And there was this moment where Emma just showed him this one little thing as to how he could change the way he was communicating and the connection happened. It was wonderful. Yep. Yep. Great. So he's going to that home. Oh, it must be so yep. satisfying to see them go to the right home. 
That's right, yeah. yeah. Sultan's one, one of those horses who I thought, mm, I wonder if I'll ever rehome him. He's such a beautiful horse. He's got to go to the right home and, and I think he is going there. Yeah, everyone had their eye on him when we got there. Everyone went, yeah, he's a nice looking one. He was the first yeah. one who took everyone's attention. And are there enough Brumby associations to look after the excess Brumbies in Australia? That's a hard question to answer, I suppose, because I guess there are still horses going to to the meatworks. Um, there are still horses being shot um, on site where they're being culled. So probably not. But in my opinion, there's not enough homes for them either. <laughs> it's probably a bit controversial, but I mean, just look at the number of horses that are going through the sales these days and going for such ridiculously cheap prices. There's so much wastage from the, the thoroughbred industry and the racing industry that people are getting flooded with, with off-the-track thoroughbreds, which they all deserve good homes as well but there's just so many of them that are bred that there's there's too many of them that don't make the grade and then therefore need need to find a home mm. um so they're flooding they, the market therefore do the have a place yeah there's so many of them um and it's a matter of do people value that type of horse over another so it's about education mm. And there's a size thing in Australia too. We love a big horse. Yeah, yeah. So that's where the um, thoroughbreds might win over. Yeah, that's right. But then they've also shown that the horses with the, the shorter backs are better suited to carry the weight. Mm, and better doers. Mm, mm. Yeah. Has any Brumby ever gone on to do dressage? Um, I'm, not that I'm aware of. I don't honestly know. Yeah, I don't know. There could be some in other areas of Australia. I don't know of any up here. It's possible. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Because they're so sure-footed, I couldn't imagine that. And, and because they don't have any, they're so smart and they don't have any um, background story, if you get one fresh, I couldn't imagine why you couldn't train one up. They just don't quite no. look as... as um, they're so trainable. You can train yeah. them to do anything. Yeah, so whilst they don't look like a warm blood, they could certainly um, move like one if they needed to. Yeah. <laughs> yes, with the right training. Yeah, yes, it's all and, about the training that, in the end. That's not me. I don't, I don't train for any particular discipline. Um, I've never learned any particular discipline myself. It's more about um, just gentling them and forming a relationship with them and, and getting them comfortable with living a domestic life. Wonderful. And so they really do come as a clean slate. Yep. Wow. So once that person comes and gets their Brumby, they can have any discipline in mind and they can then train their horse on to enjoy that discipline. Yep. It's fantastic. What do we need to know about Brumbies in Australia now? What's the most important thing we need to all hear and take in at the moment about Brumbies in Australia? They are... Smart, trainable, low-maintenance, um, healthy, wonderful horses. Mm, who form a deep yeah. connection with their human and will do anything for you. Very, very strong bond with you, yes. Mm, as long as you work in a gentle way with them? 
Absolutely, yes, yes. Um, you can't force them to do stuff. You've got to be gentle and kind. You've got to let them know that it's okay to be with you. You can't force them to want that. You've got to let them know that they're going to be safe and earn their trust. Wonderful. And Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, well, we're on Facebook. We're probably more active on Facebook than we are on our website. We do have a website, seqbrumby.org, um, but probably more active via Facebook. So just search up the SEQ Brumby Association and we're there. And I try to post regularly. It doesn't always happen, but I try to post reasonably regularly. And um, the contact details on there, the, the um, mobile phones don't work here where I live. So uh, we've got a landline phone number if anyone wanted to call. Zero seven four six nine seven two one three three, or they can email me on seqbrumby at gmail.com. Fantastic. And I'll have all the links and the phone numbers in the show notes and also on the blog on my website, which is going to have all those fantastic photos on it as well. So do pop over and have a bit of a look. Well, Sandy, it's been so fantastic talking to you today. I, for one, want to thank you for everything that you do for horses and especially for our wild horses. I was lucky enough to be at that clinic, like I said, and I saw them and they are they are open-hearted, gentle and kind and I'm amazed that a horse that's come from the wild would want to connect with a human in any way. But if you do it in the right way, and you yep. do it in a gentle and kind way, what they give back is second to none. So thank yeah. you for everything that you do. If anybody wants to experience it themselves, um, it's, all, we all, it's all voluntarily done here. Like This isn't a business. It's a voluntary association and a more than welcoming of people who want to come up and you know try the hand or maybe just come and meet the Brumbies or just come and have a look around, have a pat of a Brumby. They're most welcome to. Just yeah, and anyone out there who has services as well, you know, if anyone out there is a professional photographer and they want to come and take some photos, if anyone is a professional in any kind of services within the horse industry, Sandy runs yeah. as a volunteer association. And, so put your hand up. Come and practice, come and practice bowing, not bow, bowing for horses or Emmet for horses or horse massage or practice trimming feet there quite welcome to come and volunteer the services here <laughs> wonderful what a great idea so anyone out there who's learning anything needs some horses to practice on sandy's there so please do get in touch and so can people donate to you as well um yes we do i have a bank account i can send those details through to you when i send these next couple of photos through if you like fantastic so they can donate through a bank account and yeah like i said all, all services or anything that you want to give and um, will be gratefully accepted. Absolutely. Even if they just wanted to come and learn how to train a Brumby or, you know, just spend some time gentling one, it, it does the horses good to have different people coming and handling them and, um, and it helps me. Mm, fantastic. Well, Sandy, once again, thank you so much for your time. We all have a, a special place in our heart for Australian Brumbies, but you're a person who's actually doing something about it every day. So it's really special what you do. So well done and thank you again. Thanks, thank you, Tracy, and thanks everyone for listening. They're pretty special, aren't they? As is Sandy and the work that she's doing. I love so much talking to people who are action takers and brave enough to step up when help is needed. 
If you'd like to join Sandy and be a part of the solution, you can go to the blog on my website, see pictures of some of her Brumbies and the links for you to get in touch and offer whatever services you can. Or maybe even become a forever home for one of these Brumbies. If you get a moment, you might also like to have a listen to earlier episodes in the series. In episode two, I spoke with Anna Minogue, an equine dentist. I learned so much from this passionate, knowledgeable expert. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It helps us climb the rankings and will help get the message out there. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. You can also share us on your social media. Tell all your friends about us and ask them to join us on our mission as well. You will find all the links to our social media on our website, comealongfortheride.com.au. If your friends don't know how to podcast, just send them to my website and tell them to hit play. It's the most user-friendly way to listen for anyone you know who might be resistant to technology but would love to have a listen. I would love it also if you would get in touch and say hi. Let me know who you would like to hear interviewed on the podcast. I have some wonderful people lined up to speak to, but this is your show as much as mine. So please, if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch via the website or social media. Once again, my website is comealongfortheride.com.au. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. All those links are on my website. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along For The Ride.